Well, good morning. Good morning. And, uh, God be with you. It's uh, good to be back uh, with, the, with you all in worship. Uh, last weekend, uh, my family and I, we were on our way back from Denver, Colorado, where we uh, spent a week uh, catching up with some old friends uh, from when I served as a vicar there. Um, and I did a wedding for a, a couple that uh, they were seniors in high school, uh, been in love with one another since they were like three. It was super adorable. Um, and, uh, but it, but I'm, I'm very happy to be back uh, and, and back with, uh, with the people that, that God has placed me among here. Um, but, but thinking back to, uh, to my time away and, and catching up with some, uh, some old friends, um, I got to thinking a little bit about uh, just some of the, the different experiences that I had uh, in being formed for, for pastoral ministry. And, and I, I was thinking back in, in preparation for, for this Sunday uh, to a mentor of mine that, that I had my second year in seminary. And, and he and I, we would get together once a week um, and, and we would uh, have conversation with one another and, and he would kind of uh, pour into me and, and challenge me in, in the way that I was thinking and, and just challenge me, challenging me uh, to be a better leader, uh, to be a better preacher, all, all of these things. And, and I remember one of the things that he did uh, all the time that, that I didn't really kind of understand fully uh, back then, but I think I maybe get a little bit more now. It's one of the things that, that he made me do, and, and we would always kind of come back to over and over again, is he made me make a list of priorities. And, and he made me rank them in, in order, so, sort of one through five. So, so what is your sort of top priorities, um, your, your top maybe vocations, if you will, that, that God has given to you? And, and how are you doing in those? And we would talk through that, and he would ask me about all of those, and, and he would hold me accountable to, to those lists of, of priorities. And I remember at the time kind of thinking, well, what a, you're supposed to be kind of discipling me, showing me what it means to follow Jesus. What does any of this have to do with that? And, and now, uh, thinking about how some of my, my priorities have maybe kind of expanded uh, now being a pastor, having that responsibility, uh, having two children and that responsibility, I've realized how quickly priorities get out of whack. And, and I realize how often I have to stop and remind myself, Marcus, you need to get your priorities straight. You need to stop spending all this time just doing that thing. Whether that thing is, is scrolling on my phone, looking at social media because I'm, I'm tired and, and I'm stressed and I'm just kind of looking to unplug and detach myself from the world around me. Uh, or, or that time is, is just fixating on, on all the wrong problems. Uh, one thing that, that I often get in trouble in, in the morning is, is I just get my priorities all wrong and I often spend time doing things like cleaning my shoes when we're trying to get out of the house and I make us late. Because I don't have my priorities straight. And, and I think that's often true for, for a lot of us, is, is we find these times in life where our priorities get all out of whack. And, and we need to get those priorities straight. We need to fixate, we need to focus on the right things, the important things, and not these other side, importance, less important, or even meaningless things. And, and I think that idea of priorities is very essential as we read Luke chapter 9 and we hear Jesus talking about the cost of discipleship. 
the cost of what it means to follow him and, and be his people. Because that cost is a cost of priorities. It's a reordering of priorities. And as we look at, at these words from, from Jesus once again, and, and as Luke records this point in, in Jesus' ministry, we see not only the priorities he calls us to have, but we discover something about his priority in ministry. Here again, what, what Luke writes in Luke chapter 9, verses 51 and following. It says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. Now, this point is, is actually a very important, it's kind of a, a turning point in Luke's gospel narrative. That suddenly here from, from this point, Jesus' ministry, it takes a little bit different tenor. And there is this major shift and it's marked by Jesus setting his face to go to Jerusalem. And Luke tells us that this has come about because the days had drawn near for him to be taken up. What does that mean for Jesus to be taken up? Well, throughout Luke's gospel and actually throughout much of, of the gospels, that phrase to be taken up is referring really not actually to the cross, but it's referring to Jesus' ascension. So Jesus is, is sensing and recognizing that it is time, that time is drawing near for him to be taken up, to, to ascend to the right hand of the Father, to be seated there once again. But he realizes that something needs to happen before he is taken up. And he needs to go to Jerusalem for that to happen. He recognizes that it is time for him to be taken up. So he sets his face toward Jerusalem because he knows that his ministry is about one single priority. To go there and be rejected and crucified. That he might save the world from sin. So here we're told Jesus recognizes that it is time for him to be taken up. And so what does he do? He sets his face toward Jerusalem. He sets his face toward the cross. And from here on out in Luke's gospel narrative, that is Jesus' lone priority. And so Luke continues in verse 53. As Jesus enters into to Samaria... The people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. So Jesus enters into Samaria and we're told that the people of Samaria, they don't accept him. He's not welcomed there, and so they move on. And the reasoning, it sounds kind of strange at first. They don't accept Jesus because his face is set toward Jerusalem. Now, at first, that, that kind of sounds a little bit odd to our ears. Are they somehow unable to receive him because what is supposed to happen? But you see, you have to remember that there is this sort of tension that exists between Jews and Samaritans. 
There's this long history, and Jews often look down on Samaritans because they descended from those of the house of Israel who had intermarried with other nations, and there were sort of these considered half-breeds in the nation of Israel. And so they were looked down upon, and not only that, the Samaritans didn't really think all that well of Jews either. And not only that, but the the Samaritans had their own version of the Torah that instead of prescribing Jerusalem as the place of worship, it it, it subscribed a different place of worship. That place of worship for the Samaritans was a place called Mount Gerizim. You maybe remember that uh, when Jesus has that conversation with the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4, they have this argument over the place of worship. And When she says, our people believe it's on this mountain that we're supposed to worship, but, but you Jews say it's Jerusalem, that this mountain is Mount Gerizim. And so there's this argument there, and Jesus, by setting his face toward Jerusalem, is sort of indicting their place of worship. He is saying, you've got it wrong. Jerusalem is the place that you're supposed to worship. And so because of that, they sort of think, oh, he's just another one of those Jewish teachers. Another one who looks down upon us. And so they do not receive him. Now his disciples, they they hear about this and they're like, hey, Jesus, is it time for us to rain down fire and judgment? But once again, we see that Jesus' priority here, it is not bringing down wrath. It is not a display of his power and authority. His priority here is not to wipe out the Samaritans for rejecting him. His priority remains one single thing. It is to go to Jerusalem and go to the cross there. And as Jesus continues his journey on to Jerusalem we then hear some very harsh and difficult words that he speaks to those who would want to follow him. Verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Someone comes up to Jesus saying, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere go and Jesus says to that person if you want to follow me that may mean that you have to give up your home your security your your place of rest because in this world the son of man has no place to lay his head and to follow him means that you don't find your home in this world either and someone else comes up to him verse 59 to another he said follow me But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So Jesus invites another to follow him. And this person says, hey, you know what, Jesus, I would follow you, but I've got some commitments. I need to go and I need to bury my father. I need to take care of this arrangement. And Jesus says, leave it behind. So following Jesus, not only may it mean giving up your home and your security, your places of rest, it may mean giving up some of those worldly commitments. Jesus also says to another, 
who comes to him and says, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So not only may it cost you your home and your security, not only may it cost you some of your worldly commitments, it may also cost you your family. That, Jesus says, is the cost of following Him. You see, I think following Jesus, what it really demands is that we get our priorities straight. It demands that we ask ourselves, what is it that I prioritize in life? What is first on my list? What are the things that are most essential for me in the way that I live my life? Is it my security? My my own safety and well-being? Is it my rest and my leisure? Is it my family and my accomplishments? What is the thing at the top of your list of priorities? Because to follow Jesus means that something else moves to the top of the list. Jesus does not give us the option of he can be fourth or fifth or somewhere further down the list. No, he says it's at the top. To follow Jesus means a reorientation of our priorities. That everything becomes oriented around Jesus, his kingdom, his gospel. Everything about our lives is caught up in following Him. So what is at the top of our list? When it comes to discipleship, do you and I, do we have our priorities straight? That's a a, a tough, tough word to follow. A a, a tough thing to, to follow through with. Especially when you think about in life, all of the things that are demanding our time, all of the things telling us that that we need to prioritize this over that, all of the things vying to be at the top of our list of priorities, how is it that we're supposed to put Jesus up there? And it's also difficult because all of those things that, that demand to be priorities in our life, great college application, even though there are only four, And I can create the perfect future for my child by what I decide for them now. Or or maybe we say, you know what, I'm going to prioritize my career. Because if I prioritize my career and if I work more hours than the guy next to me and I set everything else aside, then I'll get the best promotion, I'll get the most opportunities, I'll accrue the most success, the most wealth, and I'll be happy and I'll, I'll be whole and I'll have everything that I need and life will be taken care of. And everything else gets shoved to the side. Or maybe like me, the the, the millennial one is I'm going to prioritize myself. I'm going to prioritize my leisure time and activities. And so I'm maybe not going to work too hard at my job because I need to protect that time off. And I'm going to spend all of my time, all of my energy, all of my money on those leisure activities, those hobbies, those things that I do to enjoy. Because if I do that, then I'll be whole, I'll be happy I'll have the life that I've always imagined by creating the most freedom I can. 
by cutting off all other attachments and commitments and just focusing on those things that I want to do. And with all the things that want to be at the top of our list of priorities, we often have to stop and ask ourselves, which is the one that should actually be there? Which is the one that I should actually follow? Because we're hearing voices from every direction saying, follow this, follow that, prioritize this thing, and you'll get this outcome. And with all of those voices, why should I actually listen to the voice of Jesus? I mean, what he says, it kind of demands a lot. That's a, that's a high cost to pay. Why should I prioritize Jesus and following him above all of these other things? I mean, I know, Pastor, you're sort of paid to say that. That's, what you're, that's the message you're supposed to preach. That's what you want everyone to follow. But really, why should I follow it? Why should Jesus and discipleship, and following Him be at the top of my list for my priorities and my family's priorities. Because it costs a lot, doesn't it? It costs a lot to prioritize Jesus above everything else. But you know, I think the thing that we often forget about many of our priorities is every single priority in our life is going to cost us something. At the very least, your priorities are going to cost you time and energy. And we all have a limited amount of time and energy to give to things. And maybe we've learned from time to time that that prioritizing the wrong things has damaged relationships and cost us loved ones. And I think the thing that Jesus here, by calling us to follow him, is inviting us to see is that prioritizing the wrong thing, it won't just cost you time and energy. It won't just cost you money. Prioritizing the wrong thing may very well cost you your very life. So why trust Jesus? There's maybe a lot of answers to that question, but I'll give you one. Trust the man who rose from the dead. Trust the voice of the one who rose from the dead. Trust the one whose sole priority in life was to give himself for you. Trust the one who had set his face toward Jerusalem so that he would go and suffer and die there. Trust the one who made the cross his priority Trust the one who suffered and died at the hands of sinful men to pay the price for the sins of the world. Trust the one whose very priority cost him his own life. Trust the one who also took that life up again and promises that by trusting in him and following him, yes, you may lose your life, but you also find it. Trust the one who offers you The promise of sonship. The one who invites you to be sons and daughters of the living God. Trust the one who promises that in your baptism, you have received the promise of eternal life and salvation with Him. When have any of those other priorities given themselves up 
for you. And so the one who is saying, put me and following me and proclaiming my kingdom at the top of your list, at the top of your priorities, trust in me because I'm the only one who has given himself for you. You see, discipleship and following Jesus, yes, it costs a lot. In fact, it doesn't just cost a lot, it costs everything. Following Jesus is going to cost you everything. All of your priorities are going to be reoriented. Everything else is going to be shoved to the side so that you can follow Jesus above all else. It may cost you something. It may cause you to think, you know what, maybe the opportunities for my children, their education is going to be shaped around not how do I create the best life for them, but how do I create opportunities for them to be formed after the likeness of Jesus. Maybe that cost is going to be saying no to that promotion so so that you can say yes to opportunities to serve Christ and His church. Maybe it's going to mean giving up some of that leisure time so that you can love and serve your neighbor. Maybe it's going to mean that instead of accruing a little bit more wealth, you find it in yourself to be a little bit more generous. A little bit more opportunity to take and loosen that grip on those things so that we can put them to use for the work that God has in store for us. Discipleship costs something. It costs everything. It reorients our lives around not ourselves and what we want, but it reorients them around Jesus and what He calls us to. But while discipleship costs something, it also promises everything. It promises that you are no longer marked and defined by your mistakes and your failures. It promises that you are instead now marked by Jesus, His perfection, and His love for you. It means that no longer are you sons and daughters of the kingdom of darkness and death, but now you are sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. It offers you the very righteousness that Jesus wins. Discipleship costs something, but it promises everything promises the gift of eternal life with Christ in His kingdom when He comes again. So people of God, let's get our priorities straight. Let's lay down all of those other priorities. All of those things that we look to for the promises that they make us. Because ultimately they lead to the same thing. They lead to death. Let's get our priorities straight and let following Jesus be our lone priority. Let's get our priorities straight knowing that following Jesus, it will cost us everything, even our very lives. But in losing those lives, Jesus promises us that we will find them in Him. Let's get our priorities straight knowing that in Jesus... Yes, we've given up something. But we have received life. We've received salvation. We have received His very kingdom. Let's get our priorities straight and let's follow the one 
who has given himself for the life of the world. Amen?